Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. It's June, y'all. Welcome to almost summer in just a few days. I guess it's after Memorial Day, so it's the unofficial summer to summer, whatever. All that really matters is that triathlon is in full swing, and that's what matters the most. And so races are on their underway, 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 whatever. You guys get what I'm saying. And this past weekend, we had a major race in the D.C. area where a lot of triathletes transition for the weekend and become road warriors or road cyclists and participate in uh, the Armed Forces Classic, where you get to ride around the Pentagon, Crystal City, and depending on how many levels you get around, it depends on the medal that you get. Well, many of you don't know, but I'm into cycling and I've been going to the series in the Washington DC area, the Green Belt Racing Series, which is the largest or the longest running race training series in the country. Every Wednesday, six o'clock are the females and the and the, the males cat five, four five, or C group. And then at seven o'clock you have the males A B. Y'all. I don't have the stomach to actually participate in criteriums or even the training or being in the Peloton but it is so invigorating to watch. And I'm learning the rules. So I hang out with a couple of USAC officials and they've given me a role. We'll talk about that a little later. But this gentleman who I get to bring, he's a teammate on GRIT, but he's also the founder of a new-ish team called Equip. He's a computer scientist by trade. He's a multi-sport athlete. He's a model, y'all, like a whole model. Listen, you got to catch him on the Lululemon. If you're in the D.C. area, he'll be standing up in the stores. He's in the stores. I'm telling you, he's like a whole model. I get to bring to the stage none other than Drew Wilson. Drew, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. How you doing? (laughs) What an intro. (laughs) Uh, doing doing really great. How are you? I'm well. It's good to see you. I mean, I have been seeing you every week for the past couple of Wednesdays. That's right. And, and it's just really cool to see the my fellow triathletes out there racing and training, which in turn helps in the actual triathlons. But we got to talk about that because let me tell you, I'm learning the true cyclists out there who aren't involved in multi-sport, they be hating on y'all skills. Yeah, 
They hate. <laughs> like, I heard about sandbagging <laughs> last week. They was like, how he gonna come out here talking about Josh? Comes out here, runs the the C race literally into the final lap. And they're like, he's sandbagging. Like right. he works with power and Watts all the time. Whereas cyclists, well, traditional cyclists <laughs> and road racing is very different. So we got to get into all of that because I yeah. think there's some benefits into cross training with the two. And you are a person I've witnessed over the last two years who has done it well. Like you still do up to the half iron distance and you race criterion. It's a beautiful thing. So let's just get right into it. Drew, you did your first triathlon ever 10 years ago. And then there was a bit of a gap and then you came back. Let's talk about your journey to multi-sport world. Take it away. Yeah. Yeah, so I, um, it's a, I guess it's te- it is technically my first uh, triathlon ever when I was about um, 22 or 23 years old. I can't recall, but I, I was working at a at a gym. Uh, you know, I, I was a big basketball player. I grew up playing basketball, and and I worked in this gym where I got to basically play basketball all day on the side of my job part, <laughs> which was great. And I was and um, there was this uh, lady there who was a, a yoga teacher, but also just a runner and an all, all kinds of different fitness things. And in the gym that I worked on, put on this local sprint try. You swam, swam up and back in the pool. You did a little uh, bike loop outside the, outside the gym. And then you did a little 5k on the track outside. And she said, Oh, I think you should try this triathlon. I think you'd be really good at it. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. She came back the next week. Did you sign up for that try? I was like, ah, you know, not yet. I, I didn't, I didn't know what a triathlon was. So I'm being honest with you. And, um, and then a couple of weeks later, she said, I went ahead and signed you up for that try. Um, you're going to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So, well, let's talk about what a triathlon is. Cause I, I mean, honestly, I just didn't even know it. And that's when I found out you started with a swim and I was like, oh man, I, I don't know how to swim. I mean, I could swim, I could float, but I didn't know how to swim. So. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. I, I, I did it in a pair of basketball shorts. I swam in basketball shorts. I went to the locker room. I dried off. I, I changed clothes. Um, I came out on a borrowed bike, uh, did some laps and, and then came out and run and uh, ran and was just really struggled. <laughs> I just really struggled. I, I happen to have some pictures from that time and, and you can just see it on my face that I was not an endurance athlete by any stretch of the means imagination at that point and um but yeah you know it was a great experience and it really just showed me uh, a sport that I didn't know existed and 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 weirdly I didn't get back into it until almost 10 years later when I when I did my first second sprint <laughs> and um you know that was uh I trained for that one I I was in you know by that by that time I was uh, already running on my own I'd, I'd found running and and really enjoyed that but uh you know our friend Marcus from Grit was like really just going like hey you should try this you should try this and and I and I signed up and 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 I got really hooked into it and and yeah so that's that's really that's really what is like a 10-year gap between those two um I'll, I'll say that my time was way better way better the second time somebody told me what a transition was and I didn't know I didn't know that was a thing until until then. 
Well, clearly you didn't know the first time around going to the locker room, changing completely <laughs> what it appears to be like a sprint and you know, basketball shorts to ride a bike. Uh-huh. Ooh. I also swam in them. I swam in those basketball shorts. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Sounds a little yeah. rough to me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Yes. So 10 years. I wouldn't years, recommend it. I wouldn't either. So <laughs> listen, if you're listening. Do not try that at home, literally. <laughs> 10 years later, you do your second sprint and things are different for you. One, how did you get connected with Marcus? Were you connected? Because I know you were also a runner, like, a, you know, you had gotten into being an avid runner. So did you guys connect with um, from running crews or you just said, hey, Marcus, I want to do this try? Well, obviously he said, hey, come do this yeah. tri- triathlon. But like, how did you all get even connected? Yeah, that's, um, so we started, you know, shortly before the pandemic, you know, just constantly in the same spaces through running, um, whether it was DC run crew or, you know, we would just see each other at the track over at Cardozo just pretty regularly. Um, we just, we just kept running into each other and started talking and, and just, and, and that's really how it started. But then uh, he and I kind of put together like a, I would hesitate to call it a run club, but, but an event at the Lulu, <clears throat> at the Lululemon store in Georgetown called run and flow um, at, in like mid to late 2019 and in early 2020, where we, we just hosted this open, you know, three to five mile run followed by a, followed by a, um, a yoga session up in the, up in the loft at the Georgetown store. And, and it, it just became this really fun thing that we were doing every Sunday and we started growing this like small community of people around us there. And, and that's, as, you know, just planning through that and just became, just became closer and became friends through that. And then the pandemic hit, um, we started trying to do this over, over Instagram or whatever, like everybody was doing, trying to host these virtual sessions. And we were finding yogis from like literally all over the globe, just like, Hey, can you run a virtual yoga session for us on Sunday? Um, and, and that's, that's really how it started. We, we ended up doing like a, an ultra mar- a virtual ultra marathon together in the pandemic. This is like when people were just like, I'm bored. What am I going to do? And we did this, uh, Yeti trail runners did a run five miles every four hours for, for 24 hours or something like that which meant you had to like get up at 1 a.m. and run and then get up at 5 a.m. and run and then get up at night, you know, just like, anyway, we did that together. And, and so just through that relationship, Marcus was just like, Hey, you should try triathlon. And I was like, Oh yeah, that thing I did a long time ago, Um, you know? And uh, before long, I bought a bike, um, like a, like a road bike, just something, it wasn't anything special, but, uh, it was actually the wrong type of bike, if I'm, being, if I'm being honest, but, you know, something and started riding it and started riding with him and tr- started riding with groups and tried to learn how to swim, which was not good. I, I'm still not a great swimmer, but I've come a long way. Um, and, and it just kind of almost organically progressed into me signing up for that first triathlon. It was, uh, it was like, um, I can't even remember when it was, maybe the end of 2021 or end of 2020, early 2021, we were wearing masks for the whole, like the whole thing. You had to wear a mask in transition. You had to wear a mask on the pool deck and you, you pulled it off right before you jumped in. And, um, 
and that yeah, that's it. That's how I. Next thing I know, I was I was doing triathlons. I need you to know how my mind is blown right now. <laughs> Literally, I feel like you have been doing triathlons for at at minimum five or six years because I think I just have seen you so much in the social media space that I've thought that you've been in triathlons much longer than you actually really have. And if we're really being honest, the pandemic felt like five years in itself. So maybe that's why, yeah. you know, granted, maybe that's why, <laughs> but I'm just like, what? Because you, wow. Well, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for all that you glad, do glad to be here. for the community, yeah. because you are your community focused. Like I noticed that you know, in any group that you're in, you've always been a leader per se, whether it's DC Run Crew or with Grit or with Equip now, like you've always been a leader. Has that been your thing? Is I, I you know, you, you mentioned being a basketball player, which, oh, it's a whole nother thing I, we need to talk about. <laughs> Probably not for this podcast, but for real, like, yeah. I guess that, that explains it. It's the swag. Like you and Marcus have this like swag. Yeah. Well, for those of you who are listening, And if you know Marcus, Coach Marcus Fitz, there's this bike position that you see a lot of guys who have swag. They, they, they ride their bikes and when they're taking pictures, it's the way they have one leg up, <laughs> they gotta like lean to the side and it's like, yeah. We did that pose. It was a group of girls. We were out at um, Cambridge, Maryland riding one day. And we just said, do your best, pretty much Marcus impression. And we all had this like, look, it's pretty dope. But it's interesting. That's funny. It like, this makes sense now. Like the swag, the energy, you come from a basketball. So you're bringing that, that baller energy into the sport. <laughs> Oh, it makes sense now, y'all. I'm having epiphany after epiphany because I'm like, it's like swagged out, everything matching, socks, the shoes. I mean, like, and the shoes be white, y'all. Like, do not, don't step on his white bike shoes, okay? And if you do, it's like, it, it's a whole thing. I've seen it. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I, I mean, we want to get back to your, 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 your second first race experience but the swag of it all like you're clean when you race I mean so much so like it's like and don't take any offense to this but like you're fashionable like you care about your fashion like how we as you know as, as how women may be like okay we gotta go shopping I feel like you shop like a woman does for your cycling and tri kit gear is that true uh i think you know i'm gonna tie this into basketball a little bit you know i was a sneakerhead growing up okay um and you know I've, I've, I've i used to collect basketball shoes that was the thing right like you know everybody's in the same uniform but did you see my my new shoes you know <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's funny. There's like cycling has, I would say it's definitely a spectrum. I mean, cyclists are also known to look super dork. 
right? I mean, there's a there, people are like, yeah, did you see the see the guy walking around in the tights with all the all the stuff and and whatever else? And cycling kits can also range from you know plain and mismatch and all and whatever else to like kind of half fashion, right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you might see some you know some some teams that have some you know some really high-end design in their kits and and they put a lot of thought into that and you know anyway the white shoes is a whole different thing right i mean that is a that is as much of cycling as it is that you put your your glasses over the helmet straps and under i mean it's just like these weird things that cyclists do and not not every cyclist wears white shoes and white socks but some of them live by it and uh i guess i'm in that camp i keep i keep them clean keeps them clean okay and you know let's just be real real too I think it was probably during the pandemic when you know cyclists were coming from out the woodwork left and right that I realized I was one of those Mitch Max Mitch mix matched people and felt really bad because you you get called out for it in the streets like really you (laughs) don't wear that Barlow with that uh what's another brand um that zoo oh, cap, like you, it's like don't man, mix match brands, or you're gonna put on those. Yeah. Um, what are the cycling bibs I have? Uh, uh, Rafa, maybe. Yeah. Rafa, that that was too. Uh, uh, that's just pure cyclist, right? That's not the that's not the like triathlon cycling brand. Yeah, right. It's not a triathlon. Anyway, let me just tell you, I would wear triathlon shorts with a cycling bit, like cycling jersey. It was just wrong. I was wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong, and felt so bad because, you know, I like to look nice and dress nice, but I don't think I took my athleticism fashion to pride as I did with what I wore on a daily basis. And I think it's equally important to look good while you're training as well as racing, because I think it all matters to the psyche when you're performing, just like you want to look good and present well in your regular clothes. And I don't think it really stood out to me until 2020 when so many people were, it was, it became a thing, like a kit mattered. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Look good, feel good, do good, right? I mean, I, I think I, I think what happened for me is I was in the same boat. I just had like cycling stuff is not cheap either, right? I mean, it's it's so expensive, and I just had my hands on whatever, whatever I could get on that I could be comfortable on the bike. And then after so long, I realized like, hey, I'm on this thing like ten plus hours a week. Like it might as well be functional, functional equipment and like good equipment, and might as well look good while I'm at it so yeah. <laughs> well we've gotten the fashion out of the way y'all so just know when you okay. see Drew okay. in the street if you ain't looking right he is the <laughs> the the the, the, <laughs> the multi-sport fashion police y'all don't get caught slipping don't get caught sighted or whatever he may give you out in the street from a man from a man Kwame fashion <laughs> fashion all right so second race sounds like a pool swim which was probably yeah. a sprint race right so let's go through right. that because you said you had the wrong bike so this is just two years ago you had the wrong bike out for a race yeah. 
let's talk about that first race and what was it like having the wrong bike and what was it like when you switched over and got the right bike? Whew. Well, that again is a, is a full spectrum, right? I mean, there's the wrong bike and then there's an okay bike and then there's the right bike, you know, I mean, tri bikes are, are, uh, can be a real game changer, especially at the longer distances. Um, I, I mean, I, I had, um, I think by this time, I think I had realized I had the wrong bike and I had purchased an actual road bike for that particular race. Um, but it was still just a standard road bike um, and not a tri bike, right? Which was, a, again, a whole nother step of getting into that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um, it, it was a pool swim which was good for me because it was a, I guess it was a super sprint distance on the pool swim, but the rest of it was a full sprint distance. I don't know. But the, the bat was really good because I, I kind of get panicky in the water. And so I, I did, I panicked in the water then too. I just like stood up in the pool. I was like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I got out on the bike and, and um, I just, I think so many things, right. I, I didn't know how to pace myself. I didn't know how to, like, what was a good bike strategy. I didn't know that there was a thing as a bike strategy. I didn't, uh, you know, I might have had my my transition gear laid out properly, but maybe not. Um, you know, it, I do recall coming back from the bike just being flat out exhausted. And it wasn't, you know, not a particularly long bike. I can't remember what it was, 15 miles or something like that, whatever the distance is. and And I just went too hard right you know i mean i i uh just laid it out and you know i, I don't i was gonna say lesson learned but i don't know that i still, still don't know if i've learned that lesson because uh last year's race at the end of the year i i came off the bike and i was like i can't run <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah okay so you mentioned last year's race but i want to go back to the sprint You stood up while you were swimming and you were like, okay, I'm okay. So you knew you weren't going to drown because you could stand up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what techniques have you used? Because again, if this is just two years ago and you've increased distances since, what techniques have you used to calm down in the water so that you are more comfortable to not freak out because swimming, let's just be real. That's a huge barrier to entry. And a lot of people yeah. don't know how to swim. And even if you are a swimmer, depending on the type of body of water you're swimming in, it can be a little overwhelming. So what do you do to calm yourself down? Yeah. I say number one is just a, a immersion therapy, just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. I mean, you know, even to the point of like just being at the pool and like, and if I, you know, probably still this way, like some, some days I get in the pool and I do that first, that first 25 or 50 and I come back and I go, whoa, 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 I don't like this. Like my body just is kind of almost in shock. My heart rate's at a thousand. Um, and I'm just like sitting there in the pool and I've only done 50 meters and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so, I mean, you know, part of it is that I think I'm like, uh, uh, I, I refuse to quit in a lot of things. And so I'll just like sit there and I'll just sit on the wall for five minutes before I try again. And, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I've done 
200 meters and gone home because I just couldn't get over it. But I said, that's one thing. I mean, another thing is like, you know, just, I would say going back to the community aspect, right? Like that's, this is one of the things that I think is so great about being on a team and, and even better. So being a team of people who are on the full spectrum of triathlon, we have people who are Kona qualifiers and we have people who are their first time ever racing, ever swimming, whatever. And, and really having, you know, a group of people around you who can provide you, you know, both some of the best advice, but also like hear you when you say I'm panicking in the pool and they go, Oh my God, me too. Like, let's figure that out or whatever it is, you know, somebody to swim with. Like, I, I think that that has been a really big, a really big part of what's got me through it is, is to be able to lean on people like that, both for like technique support, but also like, like maybe some like emotional support as well. Just be like, no, you're, you're fine. Like mental support, whatever it might be like, you're fine. Right. Like, you know how to swim, you, you know, you're, you can float just by sitting there. So you, you can also, you know, swim whatever distance. And, and that's like, uh, I think that's it. I think those combined together is, uh, has been what has really allowed me to like get through the hurdle of it. I'm, I'm not still not a good swimmer, but, um, I've, I've found my way through some of the longer distances now and, and, uh, can complete it in a reasonable time. So, <laughs> And reasonable, my meaning, before they say it's time. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, in, in last year's race, somebody, and apparently this is a thing, and I, I didn't know this, but they said somebody tossed a bag of Cheetos in the, in the water, and the current took it to the finish line in time before the cutoff. So it, you had just to be, basically, you just lay there, and you would make time. So that's, that's reassuring. Now, what race is this that you're referring to? Uh, that was Ironman, North Carolina, 70.3 last year. Ah, so you've gone from in two years, the sprint distance to Ironman 70.3. And that's where you didn't feel like you were able to run after <laughs> yeah. the bike. Okay, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Now let's come back to the bikes. Why did you feel that you didn't have the right bike? Because to your point, it's, it is a spectrum, but we tell people, try on whatever you have. Why was it so important to you to have the right bike? And quote, unquote, what was the right bike for you? Because you never really told us about that. So I just want to find out what was that yeah, right yeah. bike for you um, that you were able to feel comfortable with? Because you can truly do this bike on a hybrid or you can do a sprint mm -hmm. on a hybrid. Mm -hmm. You can do a triathlon on a hybrid. Um, but were you trying to perhaps, and hear me out, keep up with the quote unquote Joneses, your friends around you because they had cool, fancy bikes and that made you feel some type of way. So you wanted to do that. Like, cause I, I really like, we're having a conversation here. I want to make yeah. sure, yeah. because again, this is going to help somebody. So like, let me understand what was the right bike for you. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, there's probably some of that, right? I don't know if it's necessarily keeping up with the Joneses as much as you see a tri bike and you go, oh, <laughs> like you see somebody zoom by you on a thing with a disc wheel and they're an arrow and you're like, oh my God, right? But I mean, you know, I mean, I, I had a gravel bike, so it certainly wasn't the worst type of bike. You know, gravel bikes are, are probably better than even hybrid bikes and, and for a try or for some road riding, right? You know, you put the right skinny tires on there, put some road tires on, you'll be fine. 
Um, and yeah, absolutely. You can do a try on if it, if it moves forward as, and as a bike, like you can do it. I've seen people do it on some crazy stuff before you do it. probably a unicycle if you really feel in some type of way. I don't, I don't know. Be interested to see it, but yeah, I mean, I've seen people do it on mountain bikes, hybrid bikes, everything in between. One of our teammates did a 70.3 on a still frame bike. And I was mind blown by her. I was like, that's incredible. Like that's so long to, um, but it's just doable, right? And um, for me, I think uh, at that time, I had gotten into more road cycling, and I was trying to keep up with some of the faster road cyclists on a hybrid, on a on a gravel bike. Um, I had put some some wider road tires on it, but was just struggling. And as in, if I, in retrospect, it's probably as much me as it was <laughs> more than the bike, <laughs> my fitness and cycling skills. But um you know, I just realized yeah, around that time, I realized like, well, people do really have these like specialized bikes for this and it makes a huge difference. And, and, you know, that's when I ended up buying a road bike, just thinking it was like the middle ground, like, great. I can take this bike on, um, on road rides, uh, like group rides and whatever else, but I can also use it very effectively in, in triathlon as well. And, and that's just kind of what it was. It's, it's probably a big part of my, uh, you know, sort of obsessive, like detail oriented where I'm like, Oh my hand, can I go faster if I get this type of bike or can I, you know, what happens if I shave my legs? I heard, I heard that's really fast, you know, whatever. All right. And that's how you <laughs> shaved your hair too. So you can. I, well, look, I, <laughs> I, I, I will tell you that's the reason. The reason is, is genetics, but also look, it, it can, it can serve two purposes, right? I can get rid of like whatever loop of hair, but also be a little more air at the same time. So. <laughs> no, I love it. I think, you know, we hear all the myths and, you know, some people try things out just to try them out. But at the end of the day, whatever works for you works for you. And I think that's mindful and of being of being mindful that who you hang around in the sport matters too. You know, you can hang out with a group of people who don't really take it seriously. And then guess what? You're going to not take it seriously. You can hang out with a group of people that will challenge you and you'll be like, well, I don't want to just be okay. I want to have a fighting chance and go to the limit. So I think it just matters. And that goes with how you look, what type of bike you have ultimately, but to get into the sport, just get in get in how you fit in with whatever you have and then grow with the sport. Now, I also want to mention, I think you mentioned, well, I won't want to point out, you mentioned about you were doing more road cycling. How has road cycling helped your triathlon game and or vice versa? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, the, the short answer is if you chase dudes who are faster than you up hills over and over again, um, you just get faster on the bike. <laughs> if you just go, I want to get closer next time we do this hill together. Like, I don't want to be that far away from you or whatever it is, right? I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's, that's a big part of it, right? I mean, you know, the obviously the big differentiator in tricycling and, and like road cycling is is the, is drafting. Of course, there is some draft draft legal uh, triathlon as well, but primarily that's not the case. And, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate. Like the skills of, of learning how to draft in the field don't necessarily translate to a triathlon, but there are things you still learn, right? Like you learned as soon as that 
that draft goes away, you learn what the wind feels like and you learn how you don't want that to happen in a try. So you learn about positioning and, and all those types of things. And then you also like, you, you definitely learn the balance of, of sort of like when to place, like when to place power and when not to, you know, in triathlon, it's, it's about being able to hold that steady power for a really long time versus, you know, road cycling and particularly in criterium racing, it can be, you might have, you know, 125 watts for, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden you got to go put some 600 watt effort in for a sustained amount of time because something crazy happened in the field, right? I mean, it's just like, it's, it's a wild sport and, and the types of cycling there are really divergent. And so when I find myself, what I've learned is when I find myself fully in cycling season, my, my triathlon or time, time trialing skills are, um, they, they suffer for sure. Um, because I, I'm, I'm fixating on a very type of very like high intensity, shorter distance, shorter time, uh, type of cycling. And, and, uh, you know, at the end of the season, when I typically try to do my longer tries, I, I have to, I have to learn again a lot. Um, this, this season I've tried to, to sprinkle in some time trial racing, just pure time trialing, uh, just as a way of, uh, staying in the aero position, getting used to my tri bike and, and those types of things and, and being just being used to being by yourself out there, which is, um, it's a different, it's a different animal. I mean, if you're, if you, I can sit in a group all day long and just let somebody else take the draft and take a lot of free speed, um, on, on a tri bike, um, a TT bike, you're, you're, it's you and the elements only. And, uh, you got to figure out how to deal with them, whether that's through positioning, whether that's through, you know, whatever it may be. And, um, so anyway, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really cool. I mean, just, I, I, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is learning. There's so much you learn from, from being in a field of cyclists, just from how watching people's cadence, watching people maneuver, learning how to feel confident and comfortable in your bike with people brushing elbows with you or whatever it may be. I mean, um, you know, those types of things are just like things that make you way more comfortable on the bike, even when you get on a tri bike and, and, you know, have to take a turn and, you know, we, we all know tri bikes don't turn all that well. Um, but, but just learning all those skills and just like general cycling things that come along with, with being in those groups and watch, again, watch people just sprint away from you and you try to keep up. I mean, it's just going to make you stronger if, if you want to chase that. So yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff. Um, but it's, it's really cool. Yeah, you missed me at the rub up against you. Like, mm -mm, don't come near me. Give me my space, which is why I don't do criterion. But I love to watch them. And I really love when the Peloton is going by. It's like music to, it's, a, it's like music hearing the Peloton go by. And, or, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like a symphony. That's what it is. It's orchestrated. Yeah, I love that. Oh. It's, Love that. It's amazing. Um, Sounds even better inside the inside the Peloton. More you fun. know what? Go pro it for me. That's how I'll get to experience it. I'm not <laughs> sure. I did say I was going to do uh, Greenbelt one time. I don't know when, yeah. but I will do Greenbelt one time. But I, it, yeah, it's mm, that's mm. like I witnessed Greenbelt a crash. Like I, I witnessed <laughs> multiple crashes. Let me just say this. 
yeah. one wrong turn, if the people in the Peloton aren't working together and there's someone perhaps having an off day and they're being a jerk, it really can be dangerous for everyone yeah. involved. And so for me, I'm just like, let me be responsible for as much as I can on my own. Um, because there's even in triathlon races, you can get in an accident. If you're not paying attention, you get too like, there's things that can happen, but at least I can control it a little bit better. You, you made a comment about having to train your body essentially for both because you want to do both. So if you're into criterion racing at the time, you have to do a lot of time trial so that you can stay try ready. How difficult is that in the grand scheme of training for someone who might be interested in doing crits? Because a couple of weeks ago, there were a lot of triathletes at Greenbelt. And I was just so shocked, like, oh, is this a thing? So how difficult is that to go back and forth in between both sports? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think it's, for me, it's challenging. My, my first year, so last year, uh, I was trying to do both pretty consistently. You know, I was, um, I raced like 30 sometimes last year, which is way too many, but, um, you know, between try and, and, and crit racing or, or just road racing in general. And I was trying to sprinkle in some triathlons throughout there and just the time, the time spent running, the time spent, the time spent swimming, and then the time spent trying to, you know, ride a bike in a different way is just like something that to me took me away from trying to get better at riding at the higher intensity. And it's certainly like, it's certainly not that you can't do both, but you know, a lot of times your, your criteriums are 30 to 40 minute races, which means you're, you're going to be pretty much maxed out the whole time as much as you, you know, got to keep your heart rate down. That's the idea, but, but, you know, it's, it's full tilt and that's, and that's kind of the idea. I found that, um, I found that once I had become very comfortable with criterium racing, my trying to get on a tri bike and then just stay in zone three for, for two straight hours was really, really hard to do for so many reasons. I mean, you know, just the, just the positioning and the core strength and the back strength and, and all that type of stuff of being able to hold the air position is, is in and of itself a skill and some muscles that you need to build up. Um, but also just like, you know, I would say like a lot of, you know, in, in a criterion, there's a lot of times where I you know, strategically find a wheel that I can coast on and I might not pedal at all for a bit while my body recovers and whatever else. And in triathlon, you, you know, you're probably going to be pedaling the bike for the whole two or three or four hours, however long you're on the bike. And, and, um, for me, that was, that was challenging. It was, it was challenging for me to, to try and balance both of those. And, and it's not, you know, I'm getting old now. So like my body doesn't adapt the way it used to, to those types of things. And, um, so I tried to be a little more strategic with it. You know, I, I kind of realized it, uh, almost this time last year that I was really struggling, I decided, okay, let me focus just on, on bike racing until the end of the year. And then this year I was very strategic in that where I, um, I'm not going to do triathlon until the final race of the season. Um, and then I will switch and dive fully back into triathlon again. So is it a good strategy? I don't know. It works for me. You know, that's, that's what comes down to the end of the day. If it works for you, I think I'd say go for it, but um, I, it allows me to kind of compartmentalize the two 
in a way that allows me to do them both because I because I love them both. But um, you know, I, having having sore running legs and then trying to race a bike really really intensely is just was just really hard for me. So, so I was just about to ask you about running legs. Uh, to kind of go back to your 70.3 and how you said after you got off the bike, you had no legs. Talk to us about that experience and how did you get through the race? (laughs) Slowly. Um, I, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's disappointing, but things go how they go. And that's just, that's just what it is. It's just kind of how we respond to them. But you know, I, I thought I thought I had trained well, thought I prepped well. Um, I obsessed over every detail of, of transition and and you know every single detail of how what power I was going to hold on the bike for for that particular reason, etc. And and when I got off the bike, it just wasn't there. And you know, I and when I kind of looked back at it, I kind of you know, I think it was around mile 30 on the bike, my back started to seize up. And I think it's just, it was a matter of maybe not great. We had, we had, we had rebuilt the bike quite a bit before then. And, and so I, I, my positioning was different and I had spent a lot of time on it and, you know, a lot of things that are, you know, what I was, what I was alluding to earlier with positioning and strength that you need to build up on the bike, uh, in the, in that air position. And, and over time in that race, my back really just started to cramp up and my legs started to cramp up. And I still had 20 some miles to go. And so I just kind of pushed through that, uh, was doing the whole like stand up on the bike, stretch my back thing a little bit, <laughs> trying to just get through. And um, I came through and got off the bike and, and you know, n- nutritionally, I felt like I had done everything right. Like I felt like I had hit um, what we, we had pre-calculated our, my mix for, for my bottles to make sure I was hitting my, my targets. And, and I felt like I'd done that pretty well. Uh, but when I, when I got off the bike, I just really was in so much pain that I started running and almost immediately had to walk. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be a long day. So, um, you know, I just did a, I just did a mix of walk running until I got, until I got through it. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't pretty, but I just kept going until I, until I saw the finish line and, and yeah, you know, that's part of, part of what my, why my strategy is, is a little different this year. Um, with with how I'm trying to to pepper in some uh pepper in some some time trialing and, and just just generally more time on the on the TT bike but also you know one not building not trying to remod build my bike like less than a month before <laughs> before the race uh but you know just being more comfortable on that bike and being spending more time to get stronger on that bike and and all those things so that uh, when mile 30 hits I still have some in the tank and I'm not, I'm not falling apart. So. so to your point about not rebuilding your bike, do you have to, is there a different build for when you're doing your crits than there is when you're doing time trials versus triathlons? And if so, what is involved with changing that position? Do you have to keep getting refit over and over again? Well, it's two different bikes. Yeah. Okay. So I have, I have my, I have my road racing bike, which is uh, you know standard road frame. And then I have a, a tri bike or TC bike, which is the long aero bars type of setup with the, uh, you know, fancy aero bottles or whatever, <laughs> whatever else 
you know, that I saw somewhere on Instagram was like, Ooh, that'll make me faster. <laughs> Instagram will yeah. get you every time. Do not look to Instagram for your, I mean, look for it for your inspiration, but they will. Yeah. But, but to your point though, I mean, yeah, it's, and that's, that's the thing, you know, your road bike, you kind of sit up a little bit more naturally, you know, obviously you still want to try to do a little bit arrow, but, but versus the tri bike where you're fully tucked in and laid out, um, it's, it's just a different, it's a very different position, like a lot more core engagement. Um, and for me back engagement in that arrow position that I just, you know, throughout the road racing season, I don't spend enough time in and I'm trying to get, try to get better at. Okay. So it's a hard mix because you love both of them so dearly and you've been doing them yeah. now equally the same time. I'm going to throw in a this or that question. Oof. If you could only do one, would it be triathlon? Would it be criterion? I think it's going to have to be criterion. I think it is. I know it's tough, but I, I know I feel like this is the wrong, the wrong place to say that answer. The wrong place. <laughs> but we want authenticity. We want truthfulness. We want honesty. I can yeah. handle it, I guess. I, it's, there's something about, to me, and I think that's what really just drew me in. Like, criterion is a little insane. It's, it's nuts. And it's, it's high speed and it's dangerous. Um, you can get better at the dangerous part a little bit. Sometimes you're just going to go down, but um, it's, there's something about that. There's something about being like at just your, your max limit. Um, and then being the field pull away from me and you go, I got to figure out how to catch them. Although I'm about to snap um, or just like taking turns in a, in a field of people at a, a high speed or, or whatever else it may be. I mean, there's something about it that just, you know, I, um, I just got hooked on it and it's just hard to let go. Like, I just want to do it. Like I said, I raced like 30 sometimes last year. All, all I want to do is race bikes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. Well, I'm glad you have to find something that you love, but I'm glad that you still haven't pushed. Try to the side completely. And there's still some space for us, you know, space for yeah. us here. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on um, crit racers lately with a little project that I'm working on. And I'm finding that a lot of them are swimmers. Do you okay. feel that swimming aids in your cycling endurance? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, for, for a couple of reasons, you know, one, usually one for me is the, the running legs right like i don't have the running legs the sore running legs and then try to get on the bike you know i can, I can get that same you know sort of endurance type uh workout really the breath work i think is what it is for me is just the ability to control your breathing and control your um your heart rate in the water i think is something that is such a hugely impactful thing on the bike um so, so i see where that makes sense you know for me when i was like really trying to figure out how to run I mean, how to swim rather the breathing was the hardest part because I'm so used to this, like in through the nose, out through the mouth breathing that I've been taught my whole life as a, you know, like 
athlete or whatever else. And for breathing, it's that real quick, deep uh, breath through your mouth and then the slow out your nose. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't figure it out. But I think, you know, for me, I think like really just forcing myself to undo how I knew how to breathe. Um, and then also probably stretching my lung capacity and, and all those types of things that come, come along with, with, with swimming was, uh, was a really big, uh, help on the bike. And I, and I thought it makes sense to me. I can see it. So get better at swimming, everybody. That's the key. Yes. The key is swimming. Swimming, swimming might be my number two now, you know, I, I, I came into triathlon as a big runner mm-hmm. um found cycling but and hated swimming but swimming might be my number two now as, as far as like what i enjoyed the most i know yeah it's kind of strange right now what you mentioned something about what is it something therapy uh what did you call yeah, it immersion therapy immersion therapy <laughs> that's what it was i was like oh yeah. that's an interesting way yeah. to put it yeah. what about <laughs> swimming has made it your number two um, I think part of it was the immersion therapy, just like that I was not good at it. And so I just kept going and trying to figure it out. And I think I was probably doing that as much as I was doing anything else. I was like swimming five, five days a week plus maybe. Um, and I think when it finally clicked for me a little bit, how to swim and not die, um, I just... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There's something really calming about it. You know, when you, when you figure out how to like glide through the water properly um, and, and it just feels, it feels nice and it's, it's calming and, and you get a nice, you, you get out of the pool and you're like, Oh, I actually did have a workout. I don't realize I'm sweating. I don't realize that I'm sort of tired, but you know, you really did have a workout, but then, you know, I'm not so dead that I can't go ride my bike or go back to work or do whatever, whatever else I'm doing in my life. Um, yeah, I just think there's something really nice about it. I think it's a, it's a really interesting sport that I'm still not good at. And I think probably part of it is that I obsess over things that I'm not very good at until I figure out how to just get a little bit better at them. So maybe that's where I am with swimming. <laughs> Obsession is good until you get better. Uh, Kaylee Slade, who I uh, was on the show a couple of weeks ago, said that that was her that's how she got good at swimming and she still that's still her weakest her weakest of the three sports but she was able to turn get her pro card in her first year and it's interesting because she um she says i'm still the last to come out of the water but she gets to run people down and usually has the fastest run times (laughs) on the course and so i guess i believe in that uh technique of just keep doing it until you get good at it Uh, that's been my thing with cycling and running uh, because I'm a swimmer so swimming it it comes a little bit more natural for me but just constantly doing it to get faster and you start to see the progressions over time you don't get as much of a payout as quick as you will with swimming as you will with running you do with cycling if you stay with it long enough. You'll see like your watts start to increase over time. You're like, what? I'm doing this. Running is a little bit different, but yeah, just stick with it and keep doing it and just don't give up. I think sometimes we feel like when we're not good or we're trying to 
be at the top of the age group, we you, we lose the essence of what the sport can do for for you. And so sometimes just, yeah. you know, take it in and grow with it and not rush the process of trying to be at the top so quickly, because if you get to the top so quickly without really fundamentally going through the different um, uh, learning lessons and challenges. Trials. Trials, yes. Yeah. It can have an adverse effect, you know? And so the, mm -hmm. uh, the objective is to be able to keep doing this because you will love it so much that you want to continue to do it and you want to see the progression um, each time you get out there and do the sport. So just the constant progression. Uh, we see all the time progress over perfection, like progress, be able to chart that progress. And you'd be like, man, I did this. When you're looking back at your Excel spreadsheet and you see all your times, you're like, I've been growing, like I've been doing it. That's it. Okay. I don't think I've ever mentioned this. Keep an Excel document of your progress, of your races. That's yeah. a true testament to see how you've grown, what you should work on and how to, I mean, if you don't have a coach and even with a coach, you can have this stuff for yourself to be like, okay, how do I do this? By the way, do you have a coach, Troy? Because like, how did you, I mean, it's two years in the sport. Do you have a coach? Yeah, sort of, sort of and sort of not. I mean, I use virtual platforms um, that, that work really well for me. Um, and I, I like some of them because they're adaptable and I can, my life is a little crazy sometimes and I can shift things on the fly, whatever else. But I also have, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to my guy, Kerr, or Below Fit. Um, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he's a, I met him through as, as a bike fitter, but also he's my strength coach and probably way more than just a strength coach to me at this point. Uh, he, he's a great dude and he, he keeps me, he keeps me running. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think again, going back to what I said before, you know, I, um, I highly encourage a coach to everybody if they can. Um, you can afford it. I, I realize it can be expensive. There are always alternatives as well. You know, most smartwatches or whatever else typically have some sort of try training plan that you can load into them at this point. Um, you know, I, I think coaches are incredibly important for so many reasons, particularly for me, tell me to stop when I'm injured or not to do a thing. Not that I listen, sorry, Kerr. Um, but you know, doing, <laughs> doing those things, I mean, whatever it is, or just bouncing ideas off of, or whatever it might be is, is really important if you, if you can afford it. But also there are, there are so many other resources, including like communities like grit, right? I mean, every, every race I've been in, I've, I've run plans through like maybe four or five different people and been like, Hey, how should I do this? Or, you know, how do I prep for this part of transition? And, and this course is rolling. What do I do? Blah, 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 or, you know, wh whatever it might be. And, you know, I, I think there are there are ways to be successful with and without them. And I think I've kind of found a good balance that works for me uh, with, with, you know, the virtual option and a, and a strength coach on the side, maybe. <laughs> I hear that strength. That's important. Keep up your strength, strength. no yes. matter what. Yes. And virtual platforms. There's nothing wrong with virtual platforms. Our friends over at Training Peaks have a lot of different plans that you can use. Trainer Road has different plans that you can use. Um, there's a lot of platforms that you can just download a plan. Garmin um, has plans. If you have the Garmin watch, you can download a plan until 
you know, so there's plenty of ways that you can get what you need until you can, you know, upgrade to coaching and things of that nature. Drew, I feel like this was good. It's good to hear the difference and have somebody who is out there racing and not just triathlons, but doing the the insane, crazy racing in group Pelotons, like <laughs> criteriums, because it is, that's a whole different beast. Like it's a whole different animal. Yeah. It's a whole different way of riding. But one thing I will say in terms of the, the difference between doing, if you're doing crits or time trials or cyclocross, your bike handling skills will be so much more proficient and will allow you to be better in tri races, when things happen and you need to swerve really quickly, you will understand that bike handling skills to be able to react quickly and to react fast. Would you like to add anything to that? No, that's exactly right. I mean, just your overall confidence controlling a bike, which is underrated. Like people don't don't give that enough. You know, getting a gel out of your back pocket or or something like that while you're in a tri, like if, you know, those types of things. Being able to do that without you know, if you can do that without coming out of air position, you know, you're saving yourself some time and energy and, you know, being able to control the bike while you're doing all that is so important that that, that alone is just a skill that you're going to, you're going to gain through doing something like that. What would you say, um, what advice would you give to a beginner who's listening right now? Now, this is perfect. Cause I was going to, I was going to say this before we were talking about the whole you know, what's the right bike or the wrong bike, or, or do you get a coach or use a virtual platform? I, to me, it's just, it's like, just do it, man. Just like, just get in there and, and find, figure it out, get in where you fit in. Like, I, I mean, come with a mountain bike and basketball shorts, do it right. Like just, you'll, you'll figure out that like, maybe, maybe it tries for you, maybe it's not, but, but, but maybe you find out, oh man, if I didn't have basketball shorts on, I bet I could have been a lot faster in the pool. And if I hadn't gone to transition in the locker room, I bet I would have cut about five minutes off my time. And you start to learn these things. And, and you know, like, don't obsess over the small stuff in the beginning. Don't obsess of what your training plan is like. Um, don't obsess over over that stuff. Just 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 do it. And, you know, your first time is, is going to be bad, whether you spend a infinity dollars on a coach and all this stuff or don't. Like, you just you just need that exposure and, and figure it out from there. Like, don't, don't ever think it. So just, just do it. Yeah. I love it. Just do it. All right. We've come to the time in our, uh, where we have, you know, rapid fire questions. I almost forgot. I was like, what, what are we doing now? Rapid fire questions. <laughs> it's been a long right. day, but here we go. Um, what does your go-to workout look like? Oof. Uh, probably fast laps around Haynes Point. <laughs> when you're doing those fast laps around Haynes Point, or just training in general, is it audiobook, podcast, music, or silence? Mm. Mm. Ooh, that's tough. It's actually all of the above. It depends on the day. Uh, a lot of times it's audiobooks or podcasts, um, but other times it's music, but then sometimes it's, yeah, it's all of the above. Answer E. <laughs> <laughs> Answer E, all of the above. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At the end of a race, is it beer, wine, water, or soda? Beer. 
You know what? That was such a smart question, Mashonda. You have a beer refrigerator. I forgot. That's right. That's right. That's right. So why did I ask that question? Well, it's because that's what I. Why? Why else do I work out if I can't have beer? Right. It's like, wait a minute. He has a refrigerator. Okay. All right. Um, are you a transition minimalist Goldilocks where everything is just right, or kitchen sink space hoarder? Bring everything out there. I think I think I'm pretty minimalist. I think I've got my transition down to a science, and I've got just two small piles: one for the bike, one for the run. Um, I try on the bike to keep most things already on the bike, where that I'm coming out and just putting shoes and helmet on for the most part, and in a run, just taking the helmet on, hat, and running bib and shoes. That's it. So pretty pretty minimal. It sounded like a lot, but it's <laughs> I listed a lot of things off there, but. Okay, it so looks minimal in my piles, okay? <laughs> yeah. It's your pile. It's your transition. Um, do you have any race superstitions? Ooh. Um, I mean, I have checklists. And if I don't go through every checklist, like, in detail the night before, and probably multiple times, then, like, I don't know if it's a superstition, but it's just something I'm going to obsess over. Be like, ooh, did I forget that one thing? Especially when traveling for the race. I don't know if there's any superstitions yet. I really had a good question like five minutes ago and I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. So I'm going to try to recreate it. (laughs) What type of criterion racer are you? Are you the meat where you make people chase you down? Are you a sprinter or are you the strategizer trying to help your team block? Yeah, Um, I would like to say I'm a sprinter. And that's probably mostly because I'm not the other things. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm fairly good at sprinting uh, sometimes in the right situations um, if I haven't blown myself up. And so I'm trying to get better at that. That's what I'm trying to be uh, in the higher category races where I probably can't sprint. I try to fill one of those more domestique roles or some other type of whether it's just chasing breaks and trying to not let them get away. I'm not good at those, but I'll do it for the rest of the team because I'm not going to be helping out any other way, probably. So, yeah. yeah. And and I, I shouldn't say the meat. It's the lead out. I need to use the proper name and not the... <laughs> I like meat. I, I thought you were going to say, are you the meat or the potatoes? And I was going to be like, ooh, what does this mean? <laughs> I don't know what potatoes mean. You got to tell me. I don't know. I don't know. I was making up new cycling terminology on the fly. Well, let's, no, just, let's just start saying it, and and just let, people will come potato? up with their own meaning. Uh, I'm carrots today, so you know I. <laughs> Cucumber. And that's it. We'll just let it. We'll just let it ride, and then people make up their own meanings for it. Yeah, have you have you heard about their strategy? They're like talking about vegetables and stuff. Like, what are they doing? Keeps them strong. Get your vegetables in. Right. Okay, and the question that we don't allow people to leave without answering is, do you pee on the bike or take a proper pee break? This is actually one that um, I would pee on the bike, but I've never been, I've never faced this situation. I've never had to do it. Okay. I just have never, never had to go to the bathroom at that in the race. I think I just like my body shut down <laughs> until it's over. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair so we we take it you're more of the 
He in the wetsuit type. At this yeah, there you age. go. I get it out. I get it out early. Yeah, get it out early. Don't swim behind me. <laughs> I love it, y'all. You know, thank you, Drew, for coming on with us. Thank you for being a good sport. Thank you for talking with us about crits and how they can or cannot help or hurt your try game. Um, I think it's important that you know sometimes you mix it up, and some of the best athletes are ones that do multi sport. <laughs> Anyway, multi-sport in the sense of doing other things, not necessarily multi-sport per se, but you guys get it. Anyway, huh, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. I'm Ashonda and we are out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.